This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked me not to read an ad, so I'm just going to thank them for their constant friendship and support. Enjoy the show. I do my head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Hello, welcome to MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is Mark Gagliardi, and he talks to me about his love of the Broadway musical Rent. A love that I share with Mark and thus entered into this giddily. Uh, we did it over Skype. Mark's out of New York where Rent takes place. So that definitely consumed a lot of our eager conversation in terms of talking about how Rent reflects New York and uh, how uh, Mark's seeing it in its original Broadway run there as a high schooler really influenced Kind of the rest of his whole creative career. If you're not familiar with the musical, it may behoove you to uh, read a synopsis or something like that because we do kind of skip around and talk about a lot of the music and characters, but don't ever really give any kind of rundown because we were kind of both on the same page. So that's partially my fault for uh, not leading a conversation about the structure of the show or anything like that. But, you know, we, j- we just, we had a common language and, uh, I left the the ill-informed listener out of it. I, I say throw it on, you know? I say put on that Chris Columbus film that was my introduction to the musical as I reveal in here. I just have a night, you know? Sing along. Something I did not mention on mic during this conversation that is pertinent to my relationship with Rent is that we sang... Seasons of Love at my high school graduation, myself and another woman that I went to high school with were the co-directors of the choir, so we got to choose what we sang, and we sang that, uh, and I enjoyed it, and so did the audience. It didn't go perfectly. It's a pretty hard song, but it went well enough, and it's how we measure a year, you know what I'm saying? Some of you do. Uh, Man, that's plenty of talk up top. If you like this and you want to hear more from Mark, be sure to check out his show, We Got This, with Mark and Hal. That's his bud, Hal Lublin. And they take uh, debate topics from listeners and settle them on the air, like does ketchup belong on a hot dog or what's the best Monty Python song. And it's super fun because they're very funny very kind dudes, and they uh, they find the fun in the conversations. They most recently had Weird Al Yankovic on the show, and that is cool. So definitely check that out, especially if you enjoy Mark's presence on this show. Thank you so much again, Mark, for taking some time out of your day in NYC to call the CHI and have this conversation with me. That's all part of the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. Please check out the other shows in the co-op. It's some really wonderful people all over the city making stuff, putting it out into the world, and uh, keeping Chicago on the audio podcast map, right? That map exists, and we're on it. Uh, Another... Wonderful show in the Chicago Podcast Co-op is The Nerdlogs. Your story is the most recent episode. We uh, teamed up with the guys who run International Tom Hanks Day, and that is this Saturday. They're going to watch a bunch of Tom Hanks movies and hang out and uh, drink and just kind of celebrate T. Hanks. So go to that. If you're not in Chicago, can't make Tom Hanks Day, but still looking for more audio entertainment, might I recommend a show that I'm gearing up to make season two of called The Probe with some my co-producers Matt Young, Lisa Burton, and Hannah Parsons of other varied podcast projects around the city. The first season was about student body high school presidential election, told in the style of uh, a week-by-week serialized episodes one story told week by week the second season is yet to come but man i'm excited for it if you like comedy and you like those kinds of journalistic endeavors i would venture to say that you would like it if you like broadway musicals and people giddily discussing their love for them and the various characters and songs throughout 
I would venture to guess you would like this episode of MBSing. Enjoy. My guest today is Mark Gagliardi. Hello. Have we started? We're we're into it, baby. Oh, wow. We just sort of jumped in from we're... chatting to, all right, now we're going to do the thing. <laughs> uh-huh. I Great. mean, you say go and I say let's. Awesome. <laughs> and people get confused because we said them opposite. <laughs> we're going to talk about the ever-popular musical Rent. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I've been a, a nerd for Rent since it came out. I am, uh, I'm 37 years old, and I saw Rent in 1996. That's when, amazing. When I was a junior in high school visiting New York City. No So I saw the shit. original cast in the spring that it opened. Oh, my God. Visiting yeah, it was really – it was pretty amazing. Were you visiting from Chicago? Uh, no, I was visiting Chicago – to uh, look at different schools I wanted to apply to. And, uh, and then I was visiting New York to visit schools I wanted to apply to. So it was cool. just those two cities. That's and, great. you know, like spring of junior year, that, that is, feels like what you do, right? Legit, I, for spring break, my junior year of college, I went to New York and saw a bunch of Broadway shows. <laughs> Uh, like yeah, I wasn't even place. and that was when I was in college like in high school I didn't even like look at big city schools like it was it's just like a thing you do I think <laughs> oh yeah I had to I, I was like I knew I wanted to be in Chicago or New York mm -hmm. and uh, a friend of mine said to me look you uh, you'll probably knowing you you'll probably want to wind up in New York or LA anyway yeah so why don't you go to Chicago first to like launch it and, off and just do everything that you want to do in Chicago. Man, I from said, my perspective, oh, that, that seems like really good advice. <laughs> yeah, it, it exhaust Chicago because um, there's a ton of stuff to do there. So I, that's why I wound up going to school in Chicago. But it was my New York, uh, my New York spring trip for uh, I was looking at NYU and Juilliard. Ooh, yeah. That's... Very fancy. Oh, this is just like the let's go look at it. This sure, doesn't sure. necessarily mean uh, that you were like taking interviews at Juilliard. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I wasn't taking meetings. Yeah. <laughs> but that's so cool. I can't fathom being in that position. Like, it seems like you were in that position, the target audience for this show. Oh, I'm, yeah, a junior, like a, a theater nerd kid from Tennessee oh, who God. comes and to the big right, city to check out his theater school choices. Oh, my God, uh, I bet that shit changed your life. It was amazing. All I knew about Rent going into it was that it was this musical that was playing at the same, it had opened at the same time as Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk. <laughs> and, uh, and there was an article in USA Today about those two shows. And um, when I was going up to take that trip, I told my mom, I was like, these are the two shows I want to see when we go to New York. That's so uh, funny. So we saw both of those shows. And my mother and I saw Rent. We got standing room tickets. We stood in the back of the theater in those little window sills. Oh, my god! Uh, at the Niederlander Theater. And uh, my mom kept turning to me and going, I, I don't understand this. <laughs> Because that was that's what rent is. It's <laughs> to you know to a Southern Belle mother in her, I guess late fifties uh, or mid fifties. Uh -huh. uh, that was just like, wait, honey, what are we watching? What's I don't happening? understand. They seem like they're having so much fun. <laughs> yeah, they seem like they're having fun, but they they're all getting sick. Why are they all getting sick? Why is everyone so sick? <laughs> and and look, nobody has a job. Just go get a job. Like, just go <laughs> Just go get a job in a restaurant. That's so funny. Of course, that would be the thing that's the yeah. most confounding for someone. Look, I don't know. I don't know why he didn't take that job. That lady offered him a job and he was living in like a trash heap. <laughs> they know they got to pay that rent, right? <laughs> I know. That's the the show is about that. <laughs> That's really funny that like immediately the buy-in has already lost your mother. She's like, but yeah. they do oh, have yeah. to pay. <laughs> from, from moment one. Yeah. We're not gonna pay. Oh, well, I'm leaving. I'm the, everyone has to pay. That's just the way it works. <laughs> that, don't they understand how rent works? Oh, I'm sorry. You have to provide something to the world. And there, and what's that something? Your art. <laughs> and you're like, mom, but Benny promised them they wouldn't have to. <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't you oh, see? Man. I love this show so much. <laughs> On that first watch, do you remember what the biggest thing you took away from it was? Um, yes. Uh, Idina Menzel mooning the audience. As a high school kid, it's like, there's a girl butt on stage. <laughs> there's a naked girl butt. Yeah. Once the, once the naked girl butt was put away, what, what did you think about once that thought was like um, burned into your memory? <laughs> the thing that, the thing that blew me away when I saw the show, first of all, when those first drums kick in, in the opening song, uh, rent. Oh yeah. So that when that kicks in, like that was when I knew I was like, oh, this is not like any show I've ever seen before. What? Because I'd done a lot of musicals growing up, and it was always, you know, uh, like I did one with a symphony in the orchestra pit, mm-hmm. and it's it's very different than having a rock band, like a proper rock band. Yeah, because that was also and that, that was the thing about it was yeah, the music is great. And it also seems like that was kind of the beginning of uh, that like era of bringing rock music to Broadway shows. Oh yeah, Hedwig had it right after that. Um, like popular, like what was real, actual rock and pop started showing up in shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not that I'm a Broadway historian, but it feels like that in my experience. It's 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 definitely. I mean, now we're looking at like a bunch of jukebox type things. It's like, well, if Green Day can have a Broadway musical, then like who can't? Um, Right. uh, But but it seems that is really interesting to think about, like going from, you know, the days of like Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals being what ruled Broadway to Mm -hmm. like huge blockbusters, too. Right, right. Of which Rent was one, but it felt like something different and new. Yeah, and I guess that's where I'm coming from, too, is that those kind of ruled the the Broadway world. But once Mm -hmm. Rent came onto the scene, it easily ruled as well, but in a totally different, with bringing a totally different thing to the table. Yeah, it was sort of a Hamilton, before Hamilton, with like the hype and people going crazy for it and... It's just finding an audience for that voice. Did you, did it feel like that was happening? Like went in, in New York, like as a part of it? Well, obviously you said you, it was standing room, like. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it, it was the first show that I knew about that thing with. The way that we got the standing room tickets was one I had read in this article that people would go in the morning and they reserved the first two sure. rows of tickets right. for, uh, for students or I for um, rush people who wanted to rush. Did, did rent start the rush system? Rent, I, as far as I know, rent was the first one that it, first time it came into my consciousness. I think you're right. I, I had and, totally forgotten about that. Man, that really did kind of revolutionize the, the Broadway experience. Oh yeah, now that's all I do when I go see shows. I'm sure. Is I I will I have no I have no problem getting up at eight in the morning. Yeah. Uh going down to the theater, getting there around eight forty five and eight forty five or nine and waiting an hour. And you can usually rush tickets to most Broadway shows. And that's I think thanks to rent. That's that's amazing. Like yeah. if nothing else, if if the show didn't have any other legacy, which I think both of us would argue it does. Mm-hmm. That legacy in and of itself is amazing. That like yeah. it's is made Broadway shows accessible for people who can't necessarily afford Broadway prices. Exactly, and ironically, uh, Broadway got in that moment that it got more inclusive. I'm not sure if it's when it started, but shortly after, the tickets just skyrocketed. Uh, I was looking at so '96 was when it opened. And the highest ticket price on Broadway, the average ticket price was $53, and the maximum ticket price was $70. Holy Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Now now the maximum face value ticket price is, I think, like 200-something, 190 for a lot of the theaters. Face value. Right. So it's been pulling that trend, I guess from theater going towards the absolute richest, it moved it a little bit more toward the masses. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. I guess if you're going to make that shift, having something that's still accessible is necessary. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, I haven't been. I mean, you you have been in New York for a few years now, right? I have. I've lived in New York for three years. Do you feel like you're Just on- uh, this coming year? Do you feel like when you got to New York full time, you kind of like viewed it through a lens of rent? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, I felt like there's that romantic notion of like, I'm going to go here and I'm going to find my artistic community and we are going to pull each other up. Sure. Um, which is, which is such a like great, great thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like every, there, every group of artists I think needs that. For sure. Um, and individuals don't rise, at least in comedy, like our world, I don't, individuals don't rise in my experience. Groups rise. Yeah. Uh, pairs, duos, trios. Um, it happens, you know, unless it's a stand up comedian. So there, I did love that notion of like, I'm going to find my community and grow with it. Um, but then I kind of realized that I had already gone through that whole process in yeah. Los Angeles. So that whole era for me happened in LA. Like when I got here, most of the people that I immediately started working with in shows were people who already had established things that were, uh, letting me get involved in, yeah. you know, and, and I put think, my name on the homework. Right. That's, <laughs> that's really funny. I think that's why groups rise is because mm-hmm. you see, you know, as soon as one member makes one connection, the whole group has made that connection. Oh yeah. And, Which is a great thing. Oh, Absolutely having been in Chicago for a number of years, definitely understand the way that that works and am understanding it more and more every day. (laughs) I feel like, especially as you watch people uh, like leave the city for other opportunities, it seems like there's always at least one thing that's like, Oh, they're going to move X place because X person from the project that they used to work on or whatever it is, is there. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. The, the, to have that that group of people, I've seen migrations to cities uh, for that reason. Absolutely, that happens yeah. in Chicago all the time. And I mean, it happens when people come to Chicago too. It's like once one person from your college improv group lives in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, suddenly the whole team is there. Uh huh. Gun, uh-huh. Gunning for a cage match spot. <laughs> that's that's really fun and i love that you you had that like romantic notion and then you're like wait i already did this just in a different place yeah yeah uh, so you know you you look back on things and you go oh that's that's the, the what that moment was in my life and i'm sure what that moment was in jonathan larson's right life in what 1989 1990 when he wrote it it's also such a cool the show is such a cool time capsule of new york city yeah. New York City, uh, before it got really cleaned up, <laughs> in the midst of the AIDS crisis. Right. But with a lot of uh, really interesting artists. Right. Yeah. It's it's really it's really interesting to see like what what holds up from that show and what doesn't. Uh, and what do you as think things, doesn't hold up? I think that the way that. The like, I guess part of it is that th- it's like you said, it was a very specific era of like Reaganism that oh, right, yeah. f- forced people to talk about like AIDS and um, and everything that surrounded it in a really specific way mm-hmm. that isn't isn't as pervasive now because people aren't just like dying because uh, other people got into office and, <laughs> and, yeah. and the conversation progressed. I can't fathom it. Really, it's it. like I'm capsule of it. Yeah. And, it, and, and to hear a lot of people talk about it who, who lived through it or, or are close enough to it, um, is really scary because there's, there, depending on who you're talking to, a lot of people will say that like, they're, they're just an unfathomable number of like, artists let alone people who were lost who had no reason to have lost their lives it's just like this cultural understanding was so far behind um what it needed to uh, be addressed in any like and i think the show it, it just like doesn't make sense to audiences in 
anymore in that way. Because uh, yeah. we've thankfully progressed past a, a point of having to like surreptitiously talk about the fact that like this exists and people have it and live with it. <laughs> oh, don't worry. We're going to go back to that very soon. <laughs> yeah, when you asked, I was like, well, I guess, and I'm sure other people would argue other things, but I think that's the most poignant thing from it that's like, it's it's like you said, it's more time capsule than mm-hmm. uh, than anything else. When did you first, what was your uh, introduction Introduction. So this is like, Probably embarrassing, and I'll turn in my uh, theater nerd card ASAP, but I I had never, like, seen or listened to Rent until the Christopher Columbus movie came out. Uh, okay. Which I saw in theaters and was like, how did yeah. I miss this show? I'm also a little younger than you. Right. That would that's a perfectly reasonable introduction to the show. Especially if you if you weren't around when it I mean if you weren't cognizant of it the first time. Yeah, especially because so much of the original cast is intact. I think that's actually like incredible that they got to make a movie version of the show with that much of the oh, yeah. original Broadway cast. That's like unheard of. It was, and it was like ten years later. Yeah, that they yeah, did. So it, almost all, exactly. Yeah, there were a few things I had my. I mean, as a super fan of the show, I I'm had sure. my particular beefs with the movie. But all in all, which I thought are it was good. a friend of mine was in it, and that was one of the first times I ever had a friend who was in a movie that was big, and also as a huge rent nerd uh-huh. uh, or rent head. There's a specific there name for it. is, rent yeah. I think it's rent heads. I think you, yeah. I think you came to it. Squatters. <laughs> uh, rent heads. That works. Who was that guy uh, who ran on the campaign, the rent is too high? Oh, the rent is too damn high. <laughs> I love that guy with the crazy, uh, the crazy mustache and hair. Like, he looked... He looked like 19th century presidential. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he was, he like, he was a like anthropomorphized like history textbook talking about how the yes. rent was too high. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, where did you come from? You're kind of every American story rolled into one. Case and head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's the head of the rent heads, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, like I love the idea that that guy's sitting out in front of the theater counting uh. for tickets. <laughs> I've uh. actually seen two shows that I became a super nerd for at the Nederlander Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw Rent there in 1996, and then just a few years ago, I saw Newsies there, and it yes. was fantastic. That's amazing. Same theater, and I won the lottery for that one because some theaters do lotteries now too to go along with their. Uh, Rush. Yeah. Yeah. I tried to do the last time I was in New York, which means that I need to uh, make another visit was in 08. And I tried to do the lottery for in the Heights, like three or four times and never got it. So I ended up just going to a bunch of non-musicals, which was great because they were all amazing because it was like during the recession when a bunch of actors were getting uh, Broadway work because there were less musicals being produced. Yeah, uh, that's the thing about one thing I love living in New York is as a fan of theater, it's where like it is it is ground zero uh, for and there's a lot of great theater cities in the United States. I'm not discounting the theater scene in any city, but uh, New York feels like the big show. Like you go down there, you go down to Broadway and it's they're, they've spent millions and millions of dollars on advertising them like their movies. Like, yeah, that's time, a good. You'll see, you'll see uh, Daniel Craig in Rhinoceros. And you're like, yeah. they make a movie of that, or is that on Broadway? Oh, that's, that's on Broadway. Cool. That's really funny. Yeah, because like, how would you know at the, at that right. point? That's really funny. And as an actor, it's tougher because you know it's tougher to land gigs when you want to go audition for a play and they're like, oh, you know, this is going to Broadway and is it's all movie stars. Yeah. Dang, right. yeah. Your pain. That um, that makes a lot of sense, and that's a good way to differentiate it. Though it's like, yeah, there's plenty of good theater scenes. I mean, uh, you've spent time in Chicago, like it's yeah. a great theater scene, but it's got nothing on Broadway. Like it's just not the same. Yeah. Even everything, everything like to be 
to be in the canon of American theater, you gotta you gotta be on Broadway or off Broadway or somehow make a mark there. I think. Yeah, shows... for the most part, I'm sure there are plays that have uh, that have not done that. Yeah, I mean, but the biggest shows in Chicago always end up on Broadway. Like, right. I saw August Osage County in New York uh, during <laughs> that same trip, like. Which made a name for itself in in Chicago. Yeah, it was but, a Steppenwolf show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Tracy Letts, so he's a, mm-hmm. a an ensemble member. It is interesting to to view that because I think you can't view a show, especially a show like this, without considering what Broadway is to theater across the country and world. Yeah, it's uh, it really it's living here really has made a has open my eyes as to what exactly it is. It's not all great. It's not also, you know, the super glamorous, great uh, thing where everything's a hit. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of crap, too. Yeah, yeah. I saw a couple Uh, shows that were just okay. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure you see plenty of just okay theater. Uh, I've seen a lot of just okay theater. I've seen a couple that I'm like, you are wasting everybody's time. That's really funny. How many times did you see Rent on Broadway? So, all right, here's, let me, I was trying to think about this for mm-hmm. this episode. I was like, what's my rundown? Yeah. So I saw Rent, uh, the original Broadway cast, Dang. and then I saw it on Broadway again several months later uh, when I came with some school friends uh, on a senior trip. So this was almost a year later. That's amazing. Spring break, my senior year of high school, I went to New York uh. and we saw Rent as a uh, class. So that, uh, so I saw it like, I saw it twice there. Uh, and then I saw a national touring company that came through LA. Nice. And then I recently saw it in Arizona. I saw the uh, universe, was it the University of Arizona or Arizona State? Oh, they kill me the one in tucson oh yeah i think Uh, i know a guy through my job who lives in arizona and i think he told mm -hmm. me that he went to see the a rent production at one of the universities yeah it was very good it was uh, a broadway vet uh is now the head of the musical theater department there and was friends with the director of the play that i was doing in arizona and we uh i went with my director and him and to go see uh the show and so like I've even seen a college, a random college production. So funny. So I, I never and saw the movie, it. Of course, I saw the movie. Yeah, yeah. I uh, did you see it in theaters? <laughs> well, your buddy was in it. I did see it in theaters. Yeah. You gotta support your buddy. Exactly. Well, no, I had no idea he was in it. Oh no, shit. <laughs> yeah, this was a guy I had lost contact with. I'm since reconnected with. Uh, he lives in New York, and he had a small part in the movie. That's and when he so came great. on the screen, I was like. Holy shit, that <laughs> is Wayne. What up, Wayne? That's amazing. Yeah, I had, so I never got to see it on Broadway, but I did see a touring company production of it. So it might have been the same touring company as the one that came through LA. Um, Quite possibly. And that was the first time I'd ever seen it on stage. So that was like a totally different emotional experience than watching mm-hmm. the movie was, which obviously you could probably speak to. Uh, and I've also seen a college production of it because I saw it at Northwestern like four years ago. Ah, I bet Northwestern did a great production. Did you go to Northwestern? No, I didn't. I I went to school in the South and moved up here after school. Uh, but I had a friend who was in grad school at Northwestern at the time. And she was like, knowing that I'm a a theater nerd too, she was like, I'm going to go to this. And I think we, I can get like discounted student tickets if you want to go. It was really good, but it was very white. There were two people, there were two people of color in the whole cast, and Mm -hmm. one of them was in the ensemble. Because that's kind of the beauty of that show. Exactly. A mishmash of New York. And I feel like you, you, it's, 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 and, and honestly, I think if they had done the show more recently than that, they probably would have caught more crap for that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because it's like more in the conversation now and people, especially uh, Chicago has had a lot of like companies. There was a company who wanted to do In the Heights and they cast a white dude in one of the main roles. And people were like, Uh, no, (laughs) 
absolutely not. Like, uh, was it that was it that one dude who was in all the papers who beat up all his fellow actors? Oh no, that that's that's real trash. That's uh, uh, <laughs> profiles. It's so right. funny that everyone knows about the profiles think, thing now. I heard about it in L.A. Yeah, yeah, it, it, with good reason. Like. It, it, Man, it was so weird. I saw so many shows at that theater, too. So, like, reading all the shit that happened was really bizarre because I was like, I saw this show that they're writing this. It's like, so gritty and intense. Yeah. It, like, oh, man, it makes me feel like I got, like, it, like, reading those articles made me feel sick for a lot of reasons. And part of it was yeah. because I felt like I was, like, complicit because I would go to the shows. And I really like Neil Butte plays. And they he had a partnership oh, with them I for a long this guy time. I loved Neil Butte plays. Exactly. Dude likes Neil Butte plays for the wrong reasons. Because mm-hmm. um, he, like, doesn't see them as, as like, satire. He's like, yeah, this is how the world is. Yeah, you, know the, you know that the misogyny and terrible things in these plays are not in earnest right right exactly exactly uh and and uh so yeah i would i would like go see neil abute plays and he was very good in them and and it makes me feel gross um in retrospect but i think it seems like he got his due um can i since we're talking about gritty can i point out another thing that i love about rent please is i am such a huge fan of the gritty set yeah like gritty theater sets like fake gritty uh-huh. like, give me a set that is a brick wall and some scaffolding i love and it a few christmas lights uh-huh. and even the theater the niederlander theater was totally painted like fake gritty that's so, so cool loud. like splatter painted with like <laughs> you know like some fake graffiti over a keith herring knockoff you know what i mean like it was there's something wonderful to me about fake grit. Especially when so much... I realize it's a thing that a crazy says. <laughs> but I feel like there's something inherent in theater about it being like pristine and presentational and mm-hmm. just so. And to to fake make something none of that is so funny. Oh, yeah. I love it. Uh-huh. Like and an, an immersive space. I just generally love a good immersive theater experience. That's really cool that they painted up the whole place to be uh, atmospheric. Oh, the whole exterior of the building. As I walked up to the Niederlander, I thought this place is very rundown and very pink and neon green. That's so. Why cool. does this theater look like this? Because I'd never seen a theater get decorated uh, anywhere except the marquee. Right. Because right? I come from pretty traditional theaters. Right. Um. So to see that they had painted the entire exterior of this building, which is still an anomaly, like most plays wouldn't. Yeah, do that. I was gonna say, which I still don't feel like is is totally uh, evasive through the through the community. Uh, so when you took your your buddies back, when you went with your crew, was it like had mm-hmm. you been kind of like preaching the gospel of rent, and then everyone else got to witness it for themselves? I did not have to preach the gospel of rent, but I was the cool one who had actually because seen I was it. the one that had seen it. That checks yeah. out. Every that so the summer between my junior and senior year of high school, which was the summer of '96, um, that is when everyone I know became obsessed with the two disc set uh, rent, and this was like old school where two discs were a big block of uh, CDs. Oh, yeah. And it had a little cardboard sleeve over it. Everyone I know had this particular... For some reason, I remember that very vividly. It's like... That particular cardboard sleeve wrapped box double disc. Yeah, it looks set. like two CD cases attached to one yeah. another. Yes, exactly. I can picture it exactly. And everyone I know. That's so funny because I had the two disc uh, motion picture soundtrack because that was like my first uh of course uh, and the the movie soundtrack one looked almost the same it's pretty close they the changes seem minor Yeah, you know what it looks like it looks like when a bag of uh uh like frito-lay potato chips or some sort of candy like updates their logo (laughs) and you barely notice it be like this has a lot more like curves and shadows (laughs) than it used to yeah it used to not have this many curves and shadows on the That's packaging. so funny. Yeah, that's really that's accurate. Which is also funny because that's that's you could probably describe anything that's different from the late 90s to the late aughts in the same way. <laughs> like that decade 
didn't yeah, change much exactly. like style wise like the first decade of the 2000s was almost the same as the 90s except with like rounder edges yeah yeah because everyone got photoshopped yeah <laughs> all the all the designers got photoshopped and they're like oh we can make shadows and look i can make the m of this m and m slightly bulgy <laughs> That's really, really funny. Yeah, they just barely updated all the copy and the the uh, formatting. Yeah. I, I thought of another production I saw, by the way. Ooh. Uh, and this was a really, really cool one. Um, I saw Rent at the Hollywood Bowl. Are you familiar with the Hollywood Bowl? I am. My friend recently saw uh, The Little Mermaid at the Hollywood Bowl. Ah, uh, Yes. Now, this is not usually, for your listeners who may not know, uh, it's not usually a, like, proper theater where they do musicals. They do, like, one per summer, and they, this, I think Rent was the one that maybe started it, or they were doing them before, and mm-hmm. this was just That's just popular. when you became aware of but it, But yeah. like, like, every, exactly, every summer they'll do sort of a staged reading of a musical with minimal everything. That's you know awesome. I mean? So I bet the names on uh, it were awesome. Oh, it's crazy. It's an 18,000-seat outdoor arena amphitheater. Dang. And it is one of the world's great treasures of a venue. Please, at some point in your life, go see something at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, Might I recommend John Williams' night? He comes every summer. And the nerds all bust out their lightsabers at the end when as his inevitable encore, he does the Star Wars theme. That's amazing. Uh, Uh, But the rent was directed by uh, Neil Patrick Harris, who oh. famously played Mark uh, in the L.A. production. That's awesome. And I don't remember who else was in it except Vanessa Hudgens as Mimi. Oh, my which, God. Of course she was. She was great. She was great. She was you great. You can't just put a... All they did to make her look like a heroin addict at the end, though, was put a cardigan on her. Oh, boy. Like, <laughs> oh, just wrap her in a kind of dirty cardigan. That'll make her look like a heroin addict. You know, like... No, it's Vanessa Hudgens. She still looks like high school music. She's adorable. (laughs) Does not look like she's on heroin. Yeah, I didn't really buy her as Rizzo either because she was recently Rizzo in the in the live Grease. I loved her Rizzo. I just thought she didn't have enough tood. Like she was good. Don't get me wrong. She was good. I guess you think of her as so sweet. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's getting away from your typecasting. And that's why I think that's why I brought it up is because I feel like it was a similar thing. It's like you can't make High School Musical look like a heroin addict. I just I think I just felt similarly like you can't make High School Musical look like a woman who like is afraid she might be pregnant. It it just like it just didn't quite have an edge. But I (laughs) outside of that, I thought Disney's musicals don't have that. Right. Right. Yeah. Like you got to go over to Freeform for the. Um, though there was one one staging thing I thought was really cool about that production. Um, Nicole Scherzinger, is that how you say her name? Mm. Um, the pop uh, performer uh, from, uh, I think she was a, uh, what were the, the something dolls? Totally having a, like, old man brain And I know moment. who you're talking but, about, but I'm of no anyway. help in this conversation. <laughs> That's fair. I appreciate it. Um so uh, Scherzinger, uh, she played Maureen. Oh, and when cool. they did the tango Maureen scene, uh, she actually, you, you saw her silhouette this whole time because she's an amazing dancer. And they staged that tango with the shadow of Maureen dancing with uh, Joanne and Mark. Oh, so shit. That's so cool. And it was, it was gorgeous. Oh, and that sounds and, awesome. Yeah, you never really see anyone, like, make big artistic choices like that. I guess it's because it's a show full of big artistic choices. Yeah, I guess I guess so, right? Like, the show itself is a statement. You don't have to make statements within it. Right, yes, um, yeah. Chief of which, chief of which, I think, to me, going way, way, way back to your, one of your very first questions being, uh-huh. Uh, when did you know that this show was special? Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, it was uh, La Vie Bohème. Oh, yeah, song, that makes so much sense. Act one. Not only because it's such a rousing anthem that involves the entire cast making their statement of who they are and what they believe and what they stand for. Mm-hmm. But it was also full of interesting stuff that I actually liked. 
Like, oh, all of these things that are getting shout outs. I like these things. Yeah, that's so funny. I, I didn't think about it like that. Uh, yeah, I do love handcrafted beers made in local breweries. <laughs> yeah. Yoga, yogurt, rice and beans, and cheese. <laughs> that's so yeah. funny. And, and after the show, you have to go get huevos rancheros uh, while reading Maya Angelou. <laughs> uh, or curry vindaloo, it's whichever mm-hmm. one you want. Yeah, that makes so much sense because that's, that's the show's like calling card, I think. Mm-hmm. In terms of, yeah, it really paints the culture of the community in one song. Especially mm-hmm. with and the like calls to action at the end are so amazing. Oh, yeah. To anarchy, revolution, just uh-huh. screaming for solution, forcing changes, risking dangers, making noise and making please. Like, yeah, it was... It was one of those like it was one of those songs that I was like I have to memorize this song. Yes, you know what you do when you're in high school, like a theater yes. nerd in high school. Like I'm gonna memorize every word of this song. Absolutely, awesome. I think one of the I I remember being in my like speaking of your your tribe and like finding the crew that you uh, do stuff with. I think one of my first mm-hmm. like in college, one of my first moments of like oh I'm home was that a uh, spontaneous singing of. Um, Tenacious D's Fuck Her Gently happened and like oh, five of us song. knew every word and I was like okay sure. so we're all speaking the same language here <laughs> yeah we all we're all the same nerd all right cool and Rent I had the same moment with Rent with my current improv team in Chicago there's like someone brought up Rent yeah. during a show and by the end of the show we were all singing every word to like a one song glory I was like it was a deep cut <laughs> Oh, perfect. <laughs> oh, one song, Glory. Is that a deep cut? Uh, I think of that as like, I guess for me, it's like because as a guy, I hear that song. I would hear that song in auditions constantly. That makes sense. You know, like what's what's a deep cut to me is. Uh, I get. Or what's a deep cut to one person is a is a audition. I hear that song all the time. Another. That's a that's a really good point. I get deep cuts the wrong way to put it. It's it's basically like a non seasons of love or. La Vie Boheme or like <laughs> No Day But Today. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. There's so many, like there's, all right, let's see if we can go top songs. Seasons of Love, obviously. Right. Uh, Santa Fe. Out Tonight. Oh, Out Tonight. Oh, Out Tonight is the female out, version have of you ever got, have you ever One Song on Glory. Out Tonight and Gotten Ready. Oh, Oh, every woman out tonight. Can't count the number of times I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that you've turned it on. And, that I've like, turned it on or like been singing it with girlfriends as we got ready. <laughs> yeah. Can't of count course. the number of times that's happened. It's It was when I saw La La Land and it had that uh, number yes. with the three women getting ready to go out for the night. I thought, psh. Y'all just rip it off. Y'all out rip it off out tonight, which is funny because when La La Land opened, I also the big like freeway number made me think of Rent of of you know the the title song, the way that Rent opens. Oh yes, yeah, like just the like outside and raging and exactly, loud. exactly the the same like the you know the drums kicking in. I definitely like mm-hmm. had that feeling from the opening number of of that of the movie. Okay, so that's another great tune. You mentioned Santa Fe. I love Santa that's Fe. That's the one that gets stuck in my head, I think, the most. Yes! It's the most, like, whistleable. Yeah, why is that? Because it's such a great tune. I'm going to, when, when we finish the show, I'm going to be going... I think it's also just, like, wistful as hell. And and it's the thing, it's probably the most, like... Uh, it's counter to a lot of the like flow and rhythm of a lot of the rest of the songs because it's not mm-hmm. it's like specifically not New York paced that's the idea of it oh I never that makes perfect sense mm-hmm. yeah that it's just it goes at a different speed than the rest of the music yeah yeah it slows down it's got its own yeah in a way because like the only other songs that are slow are the like le- just legitimate ballads and they're still just like mm-hmm. Ugh, life in new york is so hard i wish i could write one song to live forever 
I love a fictitious image of New York City. Yeah. I mean, I love New York City, but I love like anything the, where you the, could say New York is a character vision of what New York looks like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You think like New York's really a character in this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> By the way, this is a total backtrack, but Nicole Scherzinger is one of the pussycat dolls. Pussycat dolls! Is what you're looking for. Even Googling this while we were talking? I did during that conversation and then was actively a part of this and then realized I still had it up and uh, thought that was a good place to to set it back in there. So you saw one of the pussycat dolls as Maureen, you said? Yes, as Maureen. I'm uh, trying to think, like, if I could put together, I, like, all-star cast. Ooh, yeah, I love that. Um, it. W- I was going to say, well, who would I put together as the all-star cast? But you're really not going to beat, I don't think, the original cast. Like, it's so hard. So Tracy Toms, Tracy Toms' Joanne in the movie was fantastic. She was, I believe, the only, like, big one that was different. But there's nothing yeah. that's... Adam Pascal, Anthony Rapp, Adina Menzel, mm-hmm. uh, Daphne Daphne Rubin Vega, um, uh, Wilson Germain Heredia, uh-huh. Jesse L. Martin, like all of these, even Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs, that's right. He blew up probably bigger than anyone. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely aside from Adina Menzel, probably. And right. while Rosario Dawson uh, was the biggest, like, because she wasn't in the original Broadway cast. Oh, that's right. Rosario Dawson was in the movie instead of uh, instead of Daphne Rubin Vega. Right. When you said that name, I was Which like, I, I don't think she's her. in it. Yeah. I I don't know why that choice was made. Was it just like a a casting type thing that they didn't feel like she like fit the role enough anymore or I don't know. I guess there's Maybe. really not a way to I know. Mean, yeah. Uh, there's an the the casting process is nothing I will ever understand. Yeah. All I can do is <laughs> try to try to play the game. Be a willing participant in it. Um, so I once wrote a fan letter to Anthony Rapp. Oh my God! Oh, that's uh, right. You told me this. Sent on one the back. Boat. Yeah. <laughs> so he sent one I, back. Uh, what's that? Did you say he sent one back, or he never sent one back? He sent one back. Oh so my God! This was. This would have been, I guess, 98 or 99. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I went to go see uh, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Before it went to Broadway in Skokie. I had just, I was, uh, it was while I was at DePaul. And uh, I was in Skokie. We went to go see You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown with Roger Bart and B.D. Wong. Dang. And uh, Kristen Chenoweth in her first big role. Cool. And Anthony Rapp playing Charlie Brown. Oh, my God. And... This was because this was before an era of social media. There were you couldn't readily just like reach out access to someone. You couldn't access a person the way that you can now. But a friend of mine said, "Oh yeah, that uh, that musical, um, that musical, your good man Charlie Brown. Yeah, I know a guy who's in that, Anthony Rapp. I <gasps> uh, I was just emailing with him." I got his email address. Shut you want up. his email address? Oh my god! And I was like, "Yeah, I want Anthony Rab's email address. Absolutely, I want to send him a, send him a note and tell him I liked his show." Uh, which I did, and then he wrote back an email uh, that was very sweet and it was very nice. Oh, and he, d- yeah. we had this conversation too. That have you read his book, which I remembered uh, subsequently is called "Without You." Without you, that's right. I've not read the whole thing. I've read about half of it. I did that thing where, like, you get a book and you read about half, and then you go, and "I'm gonna put it down this later." I got yeah. like nine books. Yeah. Um, but I have it on my shelf, and it's what I remember of it is great. Like, it's so it was like good. a year process of the audition. Mm-hmm. Was it's, the behind the scenes of the show is very cool. He really goes through everything, and there's this weird part where, like, he kind of grew up in the same neighborhood as Andy Dick. So, like, <laughs> Andy Dick was like one of his first exposures to like some of the things that rent like deals with like drugs and like sex and things like that (laughs) isn't that fucking bizarre i love the idea that mark cohen is 
loosely based on Andy Dick. Right? Like, it's it. that's a part of the book is that he's just like, yeah, he was just like this. Like, I think he may have been a little bit older than Anthony Rapp was and, like, way more mm. experienced and, like, cool and, uh, mm-hmm. and influential. And, yeah, he had this, like... And still, to this day, a hot mess. Yeah. I just recently watched <laughs> an episode of Love uh, that he's in. Uh, the Netflix series. Uh-huh. And he plays himself. Like, does he really? <laughs> it's Andy Dick as Andy, Andy Dick. And part of it is oh, that... Andy Dick. Uh, uh, what's her... Um, Gillian, Gillian Jacobs? Yeah, Gillian Jacobs' uh, mm-hmm. character is an addict. So, like, one of the last, like, things she does before she really, like, tries to acknowledge that she's an addict and, like, not be an addict anymore is she has this, like, weird bender with Andy Dick as himself. It's like it's oh, it's like kind of a mind fuck because I feel like especially people <laughs> who like work within the comedy community like know what a mess the guy is. And uh, here he is like I'll being himself being Andy a Dick mess. Story. Yes, I, please. <laughs> I don't want to I don't you know I mean I, I'm not I don't want to ever disparage uh, uh another person. But sure. this story kind of made me mad so I will tell it. Sure. Uh I was doing a show in uh, Hollywood at uh, at this big bar where we, we were taking like a, a club and making it into a comedy theater for the early part of the night. They were trying out this thing. Gotcha. Um, I've done Andy a show Dick like that in Chicago bill. before and it was a, a nightmare. <laughs> it was great. It was, it, was, it was a really fun show. Like there were a lot of fun people on it. Yeah, I mean, I can see where it could be a nightmare. Right. Yeah, Andy Dick was uh, opening act two. It was a two act show that we would do uh, before and Andy Dick was going to do like 12 minutes or no, like uh, eight to 10 minutes, I think at the beginning of act two. And he stood up there. I don't know what he was on, mm. but, and I don't even know if he realized that he talked for 45 minutes. Holy Jesus. Uh, and they're, they're not, they can't just like wave a light in front of him because he's, <sighs> Andy Dick, and he yeah. probably, like a policeman aiming a flashlight in his eyes, he probably wouldn't even see it. Uh, <laughs> but I just remember the, the producers running around backstage telling every group um, and every act, oh, okay, this this sketch is cut. Guys, I'm sorry, this sketch is cut. Okay, oh we have to cut this God. thing. And just walking around, giving the hatchet to acts uh, because Andy had gone on forever. Oh, my gosh. At some point, uh, you, I, just... I, you know what? I thought it would make me feel better to tell that story out loud on the air. And you know what? Sorry, Andy Dick. It totally did. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, if you really don't want to put it on blast. I mean, that's a pretty innocuous story to tell, I think, in the grand scheme of yeah. uh, in the grand scheme of things. Oh, here's another Andy Dick story. Then uh, <laughs> before this, I was waiting tables in Hollywood. And Andy Dick uh, stood up at, he was uh, eating and I worked at the Standard Hotel and he walked up or I walked up to the table at the Standard and he uh, ripped my shirt open and started playing with my nipple. How's that? There's another Andy Dick story. That is on par with some of the stories I've heard from people in Chicago. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's just like. I should have just led with that one. Much shorter too. (laughs) No, you got to bury the rip the shirt open nipple story. Yeah. Well, we our shirts were made of Velcro. It was the standard hotel. They were, you know, that's how they roll. <laughs> that's great. I kind of, I would love to circle back to the, like, great songs department, because I uh, feel like we've uh, done a lot of, like, talking about what the show, like, means and the effect that it had on both you and kind of, like, the general population and, like, Broadway culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I would love to, like, spend a few minutes just kind of talking about the show. Like, who are some of your favorite characters? Like, uh, we talked about the fact that La Vie Boheme really was, like, the, the, like, gut punch into, wow, this show really fucking means something to me. Well, that for me was the line. Um, it's the line. The opposite of war isn't peace. It's, it's creation. creation. I think that sort of. I had that shit in my like, show in one like MySpace bio or something like that. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> yeah, God. yeah, that was in my like AIM away message. It's <laughs> perfect. Yep. Um, yep. So uh, yeah, the all the main characters are are beautifully written, like real 
interesting, flawed people. I think Angel, you can't talk about the show and not talk about Angel, the heart of the show, the uh, drag queen mm -hmm. played by Wilson Germain Heredia in the movie and in the original Broadway cast. Mm -hmm. yeah. And played by lots of other artists since. That I can't fathom. I feel like that's one of the hardest roles to replace with someone else. Yeah, I've never seen it quite right since. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just so specifically, you know, that person. Uh, and, it's and so him. And like you said, there's you can't you can't talk about the show without Angel, especially when you talk about the stage production, in the sense that like the stuff that they do with Angel in the production of like of having Angel passing is like breathtaking it's oh yeah it's like suffocatingly sad and beautiful <laughs> yeah there's some pretty amazing uh a pretty amazing scenes like with the big bed sheet mm -hmm. if you've seen like where they do uh the song contact and then yes the funeral scene and yeah angel it's, oh god that's exactly it's what i'm thinking think of when i say that I'll say uh, this mm -hmm. for for your benefit, and I almost mentioned this earlier when you were talking about your mom being like, what? Uh, my dad is a big theater guy, but he's also like a red state Republican. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's like this interesting thing that I think has like led to- It's not to a Venn diagram that crosses often. Exactly. And especially uh, uh, for like a 60-year-old uh, dad. Um, but he- uh, we saw the movie together and he really liked the movie. So when the touring production came through Charlotte, uh, we all went together as a family. And uh, to be fair, my dad is very much a movie crier. He can't talk about the movie Field of Dreams without crying. Um, so oh, of <laughs> but I will like never forget sitting next to my dad during those scenes, like during contact and the funeral scenes and having him just like, heaving sobs next to me Good. his like teenaged daughter at the time I think I was probably either like late teens early 20s and that just like will always mean something to me that that my dad was like emotionally invested enough in this show to to be uh uh like that vulnerable about watching it with me I I'm cut very much from the same cloth as my dad is I think is what it comes down to <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's yeah. like with your with your job in the world you live in mixed with red state dad yeah there's not gonna be a lot of oh we absolutely agree on this uh-huh but right. to sit in a show and both go yeah you know what angel's a human being yeah and a really good one yeah and um, i all of these are, for the most part, even Benny. They're all good people. For Benny's sure. another one of my favorite characters, by the way, getting back to that. Really? Because, yeah, I really like Benny. Um, because Benny is the one that lives in the real world. Yes. Yeah, he's uh, like the interface. Also, yeah, Benny is Benny is the voice of the person in the audience who goes, why don't you just go get a job at a restaurant? Yeah, right, like, sure. But, but And yet he never leaves these people. Right. He's like, no, even when they're even when they're trashing him left and right, which they do the whole show. They yeah. beat up on Benny the whole show. I love the beginning of um, that song that's just like, what happened to Benny? What happened to his heart and the ideals he once pursued? Yeah. It's just yeah, like, it's like, you changed, the next bro. Line that could be like, fuck you, dude. I bought this. I bought this giant place. I'm letting you guys live here for free. Exactly. And instead like, he's still trying to like reason with them. Yeah. You guys are my moochy artsy friend. Uh -huh. like, his, his response is basically anyone would be doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey dickheads. I'm your friend. This but, is how the uh, world works. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's really not funny. to, that's not to discount anything about the play. Right. But there is that notion of like, there's a lot, uh, privileged white people up in here uh, go get a job somewhere yeah 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 uh, for sure but it's but that's not I mean that's not the point of the play the point of the play is to show you this time capsule of New York mm -hmm. I think in 1989 and to you know well update we haven't talked about Lavo M at all 
Yeah, uh, I don't know much. All I really know is that like the main story was based on that. Yeah, it's uh, and all the character names are the same. Oh, that's and, right. You yeah. Know, uh, Have you ever seen? So I saw. I did. It was the only proper opera I ever saw, and I had a great time at it. And I just kept. Remember, I just remember thinking it was very long. <laughs> going on for a very very long time. <laughs> when do I when do I get to leave? That's it's very so good, funny. but I have stuff to do, and they bow after they bow after every act. Have you ever seen a proper opera? No. Uh, they they bow after every scene. Like there's five acts. There's big long scenes, and they do this scene, and then they bow. And you're like, why are you why are you bowing? Like. <laughs> Your character is in the middle of right. A yeah, crisis. there's no willful suspension of disbelief. Yeah, no, it's not like, at all. It's, it's just all pretense. That's interesting. Uh, and of course, the only opera you've ever seen is La Boheme because you're like, oh, I've heard of it in Rent. <laughs> yeah, of course it was. And the only reason I saw it was I was like, that's that Rent show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> of course, I saw that. Just that one. That's so funny. If you can. Uh, how would mm-hmm. you say your love of Rent and your experience with the show has kind of influenced your life creatively? Uh, even if you don't think it's like this tangible one-to-one, obviously it was this really meaningful thing to have seen this before you really launched yourself into having a, a life as a creative person. Mm-hmm. For me, it was the idea that this, uh, that there was a musical that could have this effect on me. It was the first time I was really, really affected cool. in a theater by an, by a sense of ensemble. Cool. And that sense of ensemble has always stayed with me. Um, like I like, I love, uh, doing shows. I love doing all manner of, uh, plays, musicals, any kind of work, uh, you know, Screen work, stage work, uh, voiceover work. You're a hustler. But this, yeah, the, exactly. This, uh, this in particular, really reaffirmed and maybe even instilled my love of a big ensemble of people trying to tell a meaningful story together. Oh, and that God. is extended through other uh, ensemble works that I've seen. Place like Peter and the Starcatcher, which I oh, adored. I never saw um, that show. I wanted to. So that that for me that was a, a big part of the influence of it. Um, I guess creatively that would that would be it. Just like personally, I was up through most of high school a Republican. Oh. And uh, of course and you I were a little Tennessee really, boy. Yeah, because I was. Yeah, a Tennessee like. Keep the government out of my life. I've never really dealt with people who weren't terribly much different than me. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the first things I saw that was like, oh, there's a really cool, interesting world out there of, I, it's becoming cliche to say woke. Yeah. But. Uh, I know exactly woke. what you mean. You don't want to say woke, but you don't know a better yeah. word for it. I don't know a better word for woke than woke. <laughs> yes, God, I relate to that so hard. So, <laughs> like, just bear with these two white people. <laughs> yeah, talk, talking about woke, we apologize. Yeah. Especially when one of them just admitted, that's the first time I've publicly admitted that I used to be a Republican. Oh. Um, we we yeah, all were don't, don't is the easiest anybody. thing for me to say is that like you you grow up like only like you said I, I and I think that's an incredible thing to be able to say that this show did for you is to show yeah. you a, a, a world that like you didn't realize existed in a lot of ways yeah and, and, and yeah, all I knew about AIDS was that Ryan White the kid had it oh my gosh yeah that's man that's awesome. I I relate to that ensemble thing so hard, and I don't think I had ever connected that to this show or my love for it. So that's a, a really poignant thing for me as well. Yeah, that's that's my most favorite thing is a group of people getting together to tell a story that needs to be told. Dang, man. And that's what Rent was. I love that so much, man. I love that so much. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, well, oh my God, and your name's Mark. I was about to say, well, Mark. <laughs> yep, that's and, actually my name. And oh. for a while, it was my, uh, I'm not going to lie, it was my answering machine. Not answering machine, voicemail. How could it not be? Uh. Yeah, my voicemail was, Mark, Mark, I'm Mark. That's so great. I love that so much. Would you consider yourself a Mark if you had to like place yourself in the show? Oh, ooh, gosh. If I had to place myself in this show, um, I, I like to think that I'm a Mark or a Roger. Um, but I think... I might be a Gordon. <laughs> Which one's Gordon? Gordon is, look, I find some of what you teach suspect. Oh. Because I'm used to relying on, on intellect. intellect. He's what, the one so I try to who open doesn't up to what live I don't know. in that world. I see. Um, Interesting. But he, uh, he doesn't live in that world uh, of those characters. Yeah. He's sort of like, ah, I don't, like a skeptic. Of it. Because reason says I should have died. Uh, that yeah. is that's really funny because I think were I to answer the same question, I would say I want to think mm. I'm a Mark, but I think I'm actually a Joanne. <laughs> oh yeah, jo- maybe, maybe I'm a Joanne too because I do like to be part of the team. Yeah, yeah, Joanne's kind of part of the team, like, but oh, she's like the on, grounded part of the team. Yeah, um, Joanne feels like Joanne feels like the Benny who is down. Yeah, 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 you for sure. I mean? Yeah, the Benny like, who's like a little has more... a job, lives in the real world, but Joanne's like, all right, I love you, so all of your people are now my people. That's great. That's a really great. And then by the end, they are her people too. Right? Yeah, of course. Uh, well, that seems like uh, a wonderful way to see this off is uh, to strive for being um, more like the Marks and Rogers. And well, yeah. at least less like the Bennies of the world, right? Because like, we got to believe that this thing Poor can Benny. happen. <laughs> yeah, believe in the dream. Believe in the dream. Uh, I'm sure we could do this the for so much longer. state of the art longer. digital virtual interactive studio. Let's us do our work and get paid. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, With that condos so on the top. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I appreciate it oh, so thanks much. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Uh, I love you, Mark, and I mean it. Oh, I love you too, and I mean it. Baby, how you feeling? This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today and go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.